good morning. So we're going to start with a camp song here. I don't know how many of you, how many of you know um, All God's Critters, but this involves some making animal noises. So at the end of the first verse, it talks about a cow. So when I say the old cow just goes, moo, everybody goes, moo, there we go, okay. And then, let's see, the other one is when the coyote howls. Can everybody howl for me? Try that again, I think. Again? It's a little better. Uh, yeah, we'll see how this goes. Thanks for standing up, everybody. All God's creators got a place in the choir. Some sing low, some sing high, some sing out loud from the telephone wire. Some just clap their hands or pause or anything they got now. Listen to the bass, it's the one on the bottom where the bullfrog croaks and the hippopotamus moans and groans with a big to do. And the old cow just goes, Dogs and the cats, they take up the middle And the hummingbird hums And the cricket fiddles And the donkey brays And the pony neighs And the old coyote howls All God's critters got a place in the choir Some sing low, some sing high Some sing out loud from the telephone wire Some just clap their hands and paws Or anything they got now Oh, listen to the top where the little birds sing on the melody with the high notes ringing. The hoot owl hollers over everything, and the jaybird disagrees. All God's critters got a place in the choir. Some sing low, some sing higher, some sing out loud from the telephone wire. Some just clap their hands or pause or anything they got now. It's a simple song living everywhere By the ox and the fox and the grizzly bear The grumpy alligator and the hawk above The sly raccoon and the turtle dove All God's critters got a place in the choir Some sing low, some sing high Some sing out loud from the telephone wire Some just clap their hands or paws Or anything they got now you can have a seat. Thank you. Good morning and welcome to chapel. My name is Avery Martin and this summer I worked at Rocky Mountain Mennonite Camp. And I'm Tessa and I worked at Drift Creek Camp in Oregon. Today we will be hearing stories from a group of students who participated in Goshen College's various inquiry programs this past summer. The inquiry programs consist of three different areas of interest, service, ministry, and camping. And it gives GC students the opportunity to spend three months in a camp, congregation, or service agency with the goal of exploring the intersection of faith and vocation while also developing their leadership skills. 
Through these programs, students have the chance to actively participate in experiences that they other, otherwise wouldn't have the chance to during the school year. Um, during their time of engagement at their various locations, students make strong connections in their fields of interest while learning about potential steps they can make for their futures. So today, we have three students who are willing to share their experiences, um, along with others who are bringing songs to share today. So in order to bring us together in this time of worship and storytelling, I will read a poem by E.E. E. Cummings that was central to my camp experience this summer, and Avery will light the Christ lamp. I thank you, God, for most this amazing day, for the leaping greenly spirits of trees and a blue, true dream of sky, and for everything which is natural, which is infinite, which is yes. I who have died am alive again today, and this is the sun's birthday. This is the birthday of life and of love and wings and of the gay great happening, illimitably earth. How should tasting, touching, hearing, seeing, breathing, any lifted from the know of all nothing, human merely being, doubt unimaginable you. Now the ears of my ears awake, and now the eyes of my eyes are opened. Hi. Oh, hi, Alex. Um, I'm Leah Landis. <laughs> I'm a junior math and secondary education major, and this summer I did camping inquiry program at Menohaven in central Illinois. Camping inquiry is pretty self-explanatory. Um, you go to a camp, and you do a camp job there for 10 to 11 weeks. You do have to be accepted at the camp to work there, which is like a pretty minor thing. It's not that hard. And then you just get to... <laughs> hang out there and have a great time. Um, so yeah, Tessa and Avery also did camping inquiry program this summer, and then Anya Slaybaugh and Laura Hoster, Hostetler were at Crooked Creek this summer. I worked as a program assistant, which basically meant I helped make sure camp didn't implode or something. Um, and a lot of times I actually meant running camp because our program director spent at least one day every week going to the ER with a camper, and then it was just me. And that was, it was a blast. It was a lot of hard work, but it was really fun. So, Bob suggested I tell a story that epitomizes my summer. And I really love the word epitome, so it was like very exciting to get to do. But it was kind of hard to think of a word because I, it was kind of a hard summer and a lot of challenges. And so, I thought, maybe not the perfect story, but I found a good story. Um, our theme this summer was beautifully broken, as you can see on this violently yellow t-shirt. Um, so basically it meant like finding the good and the bad, which I did a lot this summer. Our first week of camp was called Blue Jay Week, which is fourth, fifth, and sixth graders. And it was just like the most perfect week ever, and everything went well, and all the kids were really excited. And at the end of the week, they all gave me a group hug, which was like the happiest moment of my life. On my wedding day, I'll probably be like, yeah, this is great, but remember when like 60 little kids hugged me? Like, that was actually the best moment of my whole life. Um, and then the week after that was junior high week, and everyone was really excited, because like, we just had a great week of Blue Jay Week. And junior high week just like tanked. It was terrible. Like Sunday morning, I'm in the office doing registration paperwork and there's an email like, oh, here's five campers we didn't know were coming. Oops, we don't have space for them in a cabin. So Meredith, our lovely lifeguard, had to instantly become a counselor, which I'm sure was very stressful. And then all the campers get there, everyone's alive. One of our other female counselors has to leave for the rest of the week. So now we're down in other counselors. We're just very understaffed. Everyone is stressed. Two kids have to go to the emergency room that week for sprained angles, which probably was they didn't have to go to the emergency room, but kids overreact a lot. So a lot of emergency room trips. 
And then also at the end of the week, those same five campers that we didn't know were coming also did not get picked up. So they had to stay an extra night, which was not fun when you're at the end of the week and then there's five campers still there to stay the night with you. Um, so in the middle of this terrible week, it's Wednesday night, which is home in the woods, which ideally all the cabins go to a different spot on camp and they cook their dinner on the fire and they sleep under the stars and it's really great for cabin bonding. And it's also the night my boss has off, so it's like my job to make sure that everyone gets dinner and sleeps good and stays alive. And of course, like this night is just a torrential downpour and like everything's flooded, so we're not sleeping outside. Like, oh I know, we will have home in the woods in the lodge and it'll be great. So all the campers come in, there's mud everywhere because it's been raining, and kind of realize like, oh, we don't have six different campfires to cook these hobo dinners on. We have to cook them all in the camp stove. And I don't really know how to work it. And kitchen staff is not on duty tonight. And it definitely can't fit 60 hobo dinners in it. It's like, that's very stressful. Kids are running and screaming, and like some kids are outside crying, and no one knows that because we're all trying to cook dinner. Like, <laughs> A bunch of kids are playing carpet ball and they're not supposed to be doing that and their counselor has no idea that they're doing that. Um, like, you know what, kids, you take off your shoes so you don't get mud everywhere and you just go upstairs and take care of yourselves, which was a terrible idea and so more people are crying, people are hurt, they like are in their socks and just racing across the wood floor until they fall and like chasing each other. But I'm downstairs cooking dinner so that's not really my problem. And, <laughs> Yeah, this is not like my shining moment of being a good camp staff, but it was really fun. So eventually probably like 75% of the kids eat and the other 25% are too busy chasing each other to notice that they don't get dinner. And so um, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to start mopping. Like I want to go to bed early. There's mud everywhere. So I get out the mop buckets, get out the mop. Like this is kind of a drag. All the kids are upstairs though for the most part. And then these like three of my favorite campers are total little dorks, so like, what kind of three middle school boys would do this? But their names are Robert, George, and Edward, which is like a good sign of kind of like, they're a little dorky. Um, <laughs> not to criticize Wade, but Edward is like exactly like Wade, so that kind of, he's very tall. <laughs> they're great, and they're like, you know what, we want to mop. So they take all the mops, and they started just mopping the floor, and it's going well, and then they're like, we don't have to just mop the floor, like, we can mop the ceiling, we can mop the tables. And they're just like running around the dining hall with these mops, screaming, and they're like, mop the table, mop the mop, mop each other. And it's like very unsanitary, and there's mop water everywhere, but just like sitting and watching that in that moment, like everything else has gone wrong, but this is right, and this is the beauty and the brokenness. And my whole summer was kind of like that, like a giant cluster of chaos, but there was always these one or two little happy moments. What I learned from those moments is you just gotta fake it till you make it, and that sounds terrible, but it's actually very real. So if you spend the first three hours of the week being really excited and energetic, even if it's fake, you're gonna have a great week the rest of the week. Um, so one of the places I really applied that this summer was leading music, because I am very, very terrible at singing. Um, I am good at trumpet, so you should come to our orchestra concert on Friday. <laughs> but I'm not good at singing. But um, the other people on the leadership team, to be honest, were kind of duds, and they did not want to make a fool of themselves in front of kids. And I was like, I can do that. The kids love it. So I get up there, and I sing really bad, and I very quickly learned, like, if you're just standing there singing really bad, you look ridiculous. And so I just had to, like, keep my body moving while I was singing. So I made up motions to every single part of a song that does not have motions. So, like, kids didn't know if they were supposed to follow me or not, which is a lot of fun. 
Um, my favorite one was in Days of Elijah. There's a part where it was like dry bones becoming as flesh. I would just like shake my arm fat. And the kids really loved it. And by the end of the week, like even the kids were like, I am way too cool to sing camp songs. We're singing along. And it's so much fun. And that just gave me like the energy to survive the rest of the day, the rest of the week. So now, Andrew Pauls is going to sing one of my favorite songs. And if you've ever worked at camp before, you should come up into the center and help us lead it, because it's a lot of fun. Everybody stand up. This one involves some, some uh, audience participation. These people in the middle are going to show you what to do. It involves shaking hands, scratching backs, and bumping rumps. Is a friend next to ya. Jesus is a friend, so sing along. Jesus is a friend, is a friend next to ya. Jesus is a friend, so sing. Sing along, la 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 second year nursing and art double major. I spent my summer in Allentown, Pennsylvania with the Ministry Inquiry Program. Meanwhile, four more MIP participants were busy interning around the U.S. Andrew Pauls was in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Hallie Steingas was in Canby, Oregon. Janae Longenecker was in Harrisonburg, Virginia. And Eliana Neufeld-Bassinger was in Wichita, Kansas. And you should ask them about it because they have a lot of good stories. It's not simple for me to sum up the summer, but I will say this. It's assured me of my vocation, and I think it's made me realize what it means to be a member of a community. Let me tell you a little bit about it. In Allentown, I lived with a host family who were also two of five pastors at the church where I was interning. The church was called Ripple. 
Ripple meets every Sunday at four in the afternoon in space rented from a Lutheran congregation. Working at, Rip at Ripple was like being in a dunk tank, one where you sit above the tank of water, totally relaxed, enjoying the weather, and then suddenly someone chucks a ball at the trigger and they smash it head on. And what do you know, the seat you had been sitting on is now gone and you're plunged into the cold water you had tried to forget about. That's the way the summer went. I would be sitting high and dry, thinking, hey, this is pretty good. And then suddenly there was water above my head and I was cold and drenched and not sure how to get out of the water. The dry moments above the water included things like reading, reading about urban ministry, about race in the Mennonite church, about restorative practices, meeting in community and creating representative dialogue. There were also things like going to worship because I could and not because I had to and drawing and journaling and listening to music. And then there was the time in the water. I organized a community art project, volunteered in a health clinic, accompanied church folks to doctor's appointments and rehab clinics and social security office visits. And without fail, every Sunday at Ripple was a plunge into the tank. It was like that for every congregation member, I think. Ripple Sundays are loud, and disorganized, and you never know quite what's going to happen. Ripple began just seven years ago as something of an experiment. A white couple from the suburbs of Allentown decided to do what all their friends told them not to. They moved into the city, and they started this church called Ripple. At one of its early meetings, when the group still met in a house, a woman and her husband came to the door and they asked to get out of the cold. They were invited into the church service and they got to know the congregation. Ever since then, those two strangers turned friends have invited their friends and community members to Ripple, and word has gotten out in the city of Allentown that something different is going on in this church. But wait, people show up at 4 p.m. every Sunday, have worship, hear a message, pray, have conversation, and eat together. That sounds like a pretty standard Mennonite church service. But what's neat and unique about Ripple is that it's trying its hardest to scoop up the people the city wants nothing to do with. Many of the people who come through its doors don't have homes, have chronic illness, live in subsidized housing, are gay, are transgender, are Latino and African American, are unemployed, are disabled, are veterans, are ex-convicts, live with mental illness, didn't finish high school. They are pushed to the side and marginalized by much of society. Lucky for me, I got to find out what city officials and other bigwigs don't want to know about Ripple people, and that's that Ripple people have big hearts. They like to talk about politics and religion. They are brilliant cooks, want the best for their kids, are hard workers, are artists, know how to welcome any stranger, and are weary of being ignored. I cannot say this enough. They are sick of being trampled over. These are the people I got to work with this summer, and even though it was different from any work I'd ever done, and I felt underqualified in many ways, I learned a lot. I got to take people's blood pressures and learn about their illnesses in a health clinic. In the soup kitchen, people pushed me to the front of the line saying, you work here. We got to eat together that first day, the young white woman from the middle class life of comfort next to the young black woman who was a soup kitchen regular. Some of the most memorable moments from the summer were spent with Joe and Sally, who go to Ripple most Sundays. My mentor, or sorry, Joe and Sally have a lot of connections in their neighborhood and are both warm and friendly. My mentor and I walked with them this summer as they worked to get out of a rental bind without being evicted from their apartment. 
I learned about government and local assistance programs such as food stamps, social security, and disability through my work with Joe and Sally. But I was always glad too for the moments when my relationship with them could be about more than their physical crisis needs. Like when we could talk while waiting for rain to pass, or when we worked on the community weaving project. I'll tell you about one of the most jolting dunks into the tank right now. It was when my mentor and I came to the door of Joe and Sally's room and found Sally inside, alone, and scared because Joe had left with all their money. The last time that happened, Joe spent all the money on crack cocaine and Sally was raped. Maybe we were wrong and maybe we should have done more, but in the moment it seemed like all we could do was tell Sally to keep her door locked and not to answer it unless it was Joe. I felt such relief that Sunday when I saw Sally again at church. Although Joe had spent his money again, Sally was safe and no physical harm had come to her. I'm not a pastor and I don't think I'll ever be one, but ministry inquiry was maybe just what I needed, or rather Ripple was, and I had time and the space I needed to process past experiences and new ones, and I received a lot of healing in that summer from the people around me because they shared their own pain and healing with me. Thank you. Um, this summer during my ministry inquiry, oh, I'm Janae, sorry. Um, during my ministry inquiry assignment, um, I got to go to Mennonite World Conference, which was a gathering of thousands of people from all over the world that happened in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And um, as part of that, we sang lots of worship songs in tons of different languages. Some of them were songs that I knew, others were songs that I didn't, and even the ones that I knew were often not in languages that I've ever spoken. Um, so Andrew's going to lead us in one of them um, now. Thank you. If you could turn to two in your green book, it won't be projected because it's kind of complicated to project, um, but yes, this is Hambanati. It's probably familiar to most of you. And if you could please stand once again. Dum, dum, dum.
Yeah, so my name is Mikhail Fernandez. I'm a senior here at Goshen, and I'm, I've been tribute as to take part in the Service Inquiry Program. So just to explain a bit about the Service Inquiry Program, it's basically an 11-week service-based program, which actually helps you develop your faith, your spirituality, and other aspects of your life. So this year, we had five participants in the SIP program. So the first being David Zare, who served at Indiana, Indiana Michigan Menor Conference, Natalie, who served at the Christian Children's Home of Ohio, Naomi, who served with MCC in Canada, and Laura Miller, who served at an open door community in Atlanta. So as you probably know, there's like a whole bunch of us that served in different locations all across the US and abroad. And that's if you consider Canada to be international. Um, yeah, so the SRP is a very interesting experience. And like there was myself who served in South Africa. And a lot of people ask me, why did I pick South Africa out of all the places? Why didn't I do it in America or somewhere close by? Well, South Africa was the place I always wanted to go as a child. And I was also inspired by Nelson Mandela and Desmond Tutu. And I always wanted to serve in South Africa. And it's a country that was very similar to my culture. It was post-colonial. And I grew up post-colonial. I grew up Portuguese-British. And South Africa was British and Dutch. And so it was very similar to me. And so on the last year of school, I decided, yeah, I'm going to go to South Africa. It's a very spontaneous decision. And a lot of people were surprised, because like, one day I'm in Goshen, the next day I'm in Africa. And like, it freaked people out. So yeah, that happened. And it was a very interesting experience for me. And so the work I was doing in South Africa was quite a bit of work. I had no idea what I was going to do, actually. I initially wanted to do marketing for the government elections. Just something was different for me. And I ended up working with different communities, with different townships. So I worked with gangsters. I worked with gangsters. I worked with communities, communities that were infected by xenophobia. These were communities that, were, that faced violence on a daily basis. On the very first day I was there, actually in the first 15 minutes, I was involved in the gang shootout. And this was a huge difference for me, because when you're in America, you're not exposed to such violence and such crime and such, so many issues. And that was sort of like a realization to me that this is a completely new world, because when you're in Goshen, you tend to be isolated from society. And so I began working with all these kids, all these school students who would come to school and dodge bullets just to get an education. So it was very inspiring for me, and so I continued to work there. And by the end of my trip, I ended up giving out workshops to many community leaders, to politicians. I worked at the African National Congress. I ended up in parliament. And I made over like a 1,000 community members as friends. And it was absolutely incredible. So all of that happened in such a short time, and I never expected that to happen. And so since people were talking about a bunch of funny stories, I thought I might share one. So this is something interesting that happened to me. So I'm not very Christian. I identify myself as Catholic, but I don't tell people that. And so I wanted to do this whole SAP experience just to develop my faith and just to see what, what I can do with my faith. And so the, my director, his name is Pastor Oscar Savali, and he is a Baptist pastor. And I did not know this prior to going there because I'm Catholic and the Baptists are very different from us. And so that was one thing. And so he was a very enthusiastic man. I absolutely loved him. Me and him were like bros at the end. So Pastor Savali, the first weekend I was with him, he took me to a shack church. So basically, this is a church that's like barely the size of this stage itself. It's a shack. It's a tenfold church. And like there is no proper flooring. It's mud. People sit on the ground or sit on plastic chairs. And they're like two giant big speakers. And the reason I'm telling you that is very important to note because the Baptist church is very loud from what I noticed. <laughs> They really want you to feel the Holy Spirit. That's my conclusion for the Baptist Church. So I'm sitting in the church, and like um, the 
pastor is really excited to introduce me. And I'm sitting there in the congregation, just enjoying and being a spectator. And all of a sudden, he gets off stage and he comes to the congregation, comes to me, has me over the mic. He's like, yeah, it's time for our new American youth preacher to preach. And I don't know at this point if there was a lack of translation or if this was a prank from my director, but apparently they wanted me to preach, for preach for one hour. And if people who know me, you know I don't preach, and you know I'm not a preacher, especially people who figured out what I did last night. I'm not a preacher. So speaking of that, keep that context in mind. So I'm a guy who's questioning my faith. I'm a guy who's not very Christian, and I'm, all of a sudden I'm given this role to preach. And there I'm up on stage in this completely new situation, this new country with people who speak different languages, and I'm supposed to give this sermon for like an hour. And there I am improvising, talking about Goshen, explaining who the Mennonites were, because nobody really knows what the Mennonites were, because there weren't Mennonites in that area. And then I started talking about my whole life and how my spiritual journey came to occur. And like, I had to figure out a way to conclude my sermon and make it spiritual. So this is the point where actually, I can't believe I've seen this, but I thank you to my core classes and to engaging the Bible. For whatever part I paid attention to in class during the Matum course, I sort of took that information and I made it into a sermon. So it's quite, yeah, so good for you, Goshen. Um, yeah. So that happened and it was really interesting for me. So like, there are lots of events that will happen during your time as taking part in SIP. Like, you don't know what you're gonna do. Like, I ended up preaching, I ended up working with communities. I ended up in African National Congress. So there are lots of stuff that will happen. Um, you'll be inspired. You may even change your entire career path. And you don't necessarily have to be a major in PJCS or social work to take part in this program. You can be any major. As long as you have a commitment to, to service or just to develop your faith or just to have an experience that can change your life. And yeah, so as for my concluding statement, I would say if you're interested in this, please just start researching now. Um, I'm sure they're going to tell you about the applications in a little bit. Um, like, I spent an entire year looking at programs that suit me, and I've contacted over 15 organizations and in different countries, and South Africa was the perfect fit, fit for me. And I'm sure you'll find a perfect fit, and I do encourage you to apply for this program. Thank you. Hi, I'm Laura. Um, and the next song that Andrew is going to lead you in is um, Ain't Gonna Let Nobody Turn Us Around. And this is a song that was sung during um, the civil rights movement, um, during protests in the 1950s. Um, and it's a song that I sang a lot over the summer. I lived um, with the Open Door community in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, and this community is a religious intentional community um, and their work is um, to work for justice for the community of people living on the streets, um, as well as to abolish the death penalty and um, challenge other forms of systemic racism and oppression. So we would sing this a lot in um, our Sunday worship. So this one is not going to be projected and it's not going to be in any kind of written form. So I'll sing through it once just so you all have the words. And then just follow as you will, and then feel free to add harmony, and we'll sing it a couple times, however the spirit leads. <laughs> Ain't gonna let nobody turn us around, turn us around. 
Turn us around, ain't gonna let nobody Turn us around, we're gonna keep on walking Keep on talking, marching up to freedom land Ain't gonna let nobody turn us around Turn us around Keep on talking, marching up to freedom land. That harmony, if you can. Let nothing let nobody turn us around, turn us around, turn us around. Ain't gonna let nobody turn us around. Gonna keep on walking, keep on talking, marching up to freedom. Ain't gonna let nobody turn us around, turn us around, turn us around. Ain't gonna let nobody turn us around. Gonna keep on walking, keep on talking, marching off to freedom. So for this next summer, the, the time to start applying for inquiry programs is coming up. And you can find more information and the application on the Campus Ministries page on Goshen's website. Um, you just go there and click the inquiry programs link. The applications are all in the same place and you can apply for more than one program. In fact, that's encouraged. There are usually about five spots per inquiry program, and they do fill up, so remember to apply by the early deadline, which is December 1st. If you have any questions, you can contact Bob Yoder, campus pastor. Now I'm going to read a benediction. This is a, a prayer that was meaningful to me this summer in my ministry inquiry placement. Across our different placements, we had a wide variety of experiences, but I believe that one thing we all experienced, and something I felt very blessed by, was making connections with new people. I found this reading particularly meaningful because it recognizes that we are all given gifts and that when we are in relationship with people, we share both those gifts and the pain and need in our lives. These opportunities to share joy and sorrow are a blessing. Gracious God, we thank you for gifts that belong not to us alone, but to all people in the world, since they too are created in your image. Let their need become our need, let their hunger become our hunger, and grant to us also a portion of their pain, so that in sharing ourselves, we discover the Christ who walks with them. Amen. Go in peace.